our mission is to connect companies with capital. And interestingly enough, we've actually been underselling ourselves for years from 2008 to 2021. We've almost had $6 billion in funding. It's just incredible. Hello and welcome to Funded, a podcast by Pixel Recess. I'm your host, Mark. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We've been talking to mostly funding sources, and that voice you just heard was Allison Eman. Allison is the founding executive director of Venture Atlanta, the Southeast's largest and most important venture conference. Allison spends some time telling us about the history of the conference, what the priorities are, and how she didn't have any idea what she was doing when she got started. As always, please subscribe to the podcast and rate wherever you listen. Please visit pixelrecess.com to provide feedback and to learn more about our product and venture studio. Enjoy the conversation and thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Allison Eman. I'm the CEO of Venture Atlanta. Venture Atlanta is one of the largest venture capital conferences in the country. And we're looking forward to our 14th conference, October 20th and 21st of this year. It's 14 already? 14 years, yeah. I was, I, for some reason, I was thinking it was 10. Golly day, that's been a long time. All right, so t- I want to learn something about your background first. My father was transferred to Atlanta back in 1987. I actually finished my senior year of high school here, went to college down in Florida, and then came back here and met my husband and have lived here ever since, but had absolutely no thought of technology, venture capital. It was never on my radar at all. But marketing, communications, advertising, that's what I studied in college. And And I did a lot of financial services. So I worked for banks. I worked for a mortgage company. And really the job I had before Venture Atlanta, I was employee number eight of a, a, quote, a startup of a young mortgage company. And when we shut down during the mortgage crisis, we had 850 people and 40 offices. And I ran the marketing for uh, the whole company. And then this was one of those things that you say the water cooler talk or things fall on your lap. This job literally fell in my lap. Is there any entrepreneurship in your family? Is that something? that's part of you? Did it stress you out to be at a eight person thing? Going from eight to 800 for you, how much of that felt like what you're good at in marketing and like a marketing and leadership gig and how much of a bunch of it felt like pure entrepreneurship? I I wasn't the one building the company. I I really wasn't, except that when you think about it, as we were growing, I was putting together all the programming. I was putting together all of the collateral, the everything, which ultimately led to building out everything. And as much as I look back on my work experiences, I was an entrepreneur then. I was helping a company from ground up and I look at Venture Atlanta the same way. When I was interviewed, the guys that interviewed we held up a card that had the logo on it and went, this is what we want you to build. And I was like, what is that? And I will say that it terrified me to do that because it was, you have to do all the fundraising, you have to structure it, you have to build a budget, you have to build a program, you have to build a product that I had no experience in. And mm-hmm. I was like, what am I doing? And the funny thing is in the interview, I sold them that I could do it. <laughs> and then I went home and then they hired me and I looked at my husband and said, oh God, now I actually have to produce this conference. But I learned a lot and I will never forget Alan Mosley was the one that ultimately hired me from Nora Mosley Partners. And he's just amazing. And I said, why me? Why did you choose me? I had no experience in venture capital technology or being an executive director. So I had three strikes. Why on earth did you hire me? And he said, you had passion (laughs) and enthusiasm. And I knew I could teach the other things, but the energy you had and the experience you had in marketing, I knew that was what we needed. Was there any history? of entrepreneurship in the family or were you exposed to that at all? No, no. My husband's in real estate, so he's always worked on his own. 
So he has always built things and he's written books and written training. And so he 100% would say he's an entrepreneur, but my father was a CFO. My mother was a bank teller and a school teacher. So my parents were as far from entrepreneurship as you can get. When you're in college envisioning your future, you're not thinking about founding something. Like you're going to have a job the rest of your life. I was literally not one that was, I wasn't on the risk taking path. I never, never gave it a second thought. I was always, I have to have steady income, work for a company. So, you know, the interesting thing is if you look at at risk, Mark, when I got my offer for Venture Atlanta, I had the steady six-figure job offered to me in a marketing position working for a banking company. And then my other offer was Venture Atlanta, brand new, starting something. So you would think the personality in me would have taken the steady job. And my parents told me to take the steady Uh job. And something in me wanted the other. And I'm glad I did. Do you know what that was? Because there had not been a conference yet. There had not been a conference. Really what happened was from March to November, my kids were seven and five and I was home with my children. And I started going to the PTA meetings. I started going on the field trips and I started being a more present mom. And the years seven to five, I was gone from six in the morning till seven at night, traveled, was never home. And the big six figure job was going to be, mom was going to be gone all the time. And the Venture Atlanta job was mom was going to get to work from home and maybe build something and maybe mom could still be present with her kids. So it, it has felt like founding to you. It's felt Oh, like... absolutely. Yeah. People tell me all the time, we associate Venture Atlanta to you. It is largely you to, to this point. In fact, a, a later question will be what happens when you're not doing this because it, <laughs> it is very wrapped up in, in you. It's been an outgrowth of, of your capabilities. And now that I look at things, it's it has been the relationships that I've built and we can talk through what happened last year. And I will say that when we had to pivot to a whole new platform. But the people that had been supporters of us for 10, 13 years were like, you know what? We know you're going to deliver. So we're going to support you. They put so much confidence in me. And truly, Mark, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing last year, building that virtual platform. So go back to the very beginning. What was this? What was the pitch? Like, what was this thing supposed to be? What was it supposed to represent? What was their vision for what it would? So Alan Mosley and John Yates and Raj from the CEO Council and the Metro Atlanta Chamber, David Hart, And all these people coming together saying, we need a world-class venture conference in Atlanta. We see what they're doing in Boston. They're doing it in California. They're doing it in Florida. The Florida Venture Conference has been around for a long time. We have to bring more capital to Atlanta. And at the time, if you go back and you were around, when I started with Venture Atlanta, when I was hired, there was six venture funds that you could actually name. So they knew they had to bring the capital in. And basically they had to put on a forum to bring more capital. So the first goal was, let's see if we can pick some companies and attract some folks and put on a two-day conference. And quite honestly, it was a lot of Alan Mosley calling people saying, we need you to support us. Calling DLA Uh Piper, calling Haber Farragetti at the time, calling Morris Manning. And thank God he had those relationships because I didn't. And I didn't know what I was selling and I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) But through the help of Ashish Mystery, through the help of Alan Mosley, through a board that we put together, Mark Johnson and Fred Sturgis were on those boards. It was, okay, we can create something. We picked companies, we got some speakers and we put together a program that we had close to 400 people there and it was good. It wasn't amazing. Yeah. Like Afterwards, Alan and I looked at each other and we're like, all right, we did what we wanted. Now, how can we do it better? 
And then we, since then, have just continued to improve it every year. All right. So I, w- I want you to respond to a couple of things that may be controversial or may not. W- one is that Atlanta is very much a perception town. And one of the perceptions it likes to create is that it's collaborative. And yet in truth, from my experience, had, having been a lot of other places, it was just about the most siloed place I'd ever been. And, and in truth, people like to talk about collaboration and they like to only really do things that they wholly own, which is natural. It's under, understandable. It's this, you know, a self-interest thing. But the way the ecosystem developed, frankly, largely because there wasn't a ton of capital. So nobody could stomp anybody else or really help anybody else. Or, right? right. You weren't trying to build something wholly owned, right? Like you were trying to build something that the city sort of owned, that the region owned, not an individual institution, well, was, not the chamber. The founding organizations behind Venture Atlanta were tied. The Technology Association of Georgia, the Metro Atlanta Chamber, and the Atlanta CEO Council. So they definitely still to, to this day are the founders of Venture Atlanta. But I will say, Mark, because I had zero experience and zero connections, this community embraced me and helped us, really helped Venture Atlanta grow. I remember going to ATDC and Cindy Cheatham sitting down with me and explaining to me what an angel investor was. I had no idea what that was. I remember sitting down with VCs. I sat with Brendan McGuire and working on processes for different things and Ashish Mystery. And all those people, had they not helped me, there's no way Venture Atlanta would be what it was. But what I've seen over the years is everyone in the community has actually wrapped themselves around Venture Atlanta. So everyone has put it at the sort of pinnacle and everyone has utilized it as an opportunity to attract people. People do events around Venture Atlanta, like Venture Atlanta Week has become where everyone's trying to get as much as they can. Techstar has partnered with us, Engage partnered with us, ATDC partners with us. So to me, I definitely felt very collaborative. And I actually, you know, interestingly enough, in an interview yesterday said, I thought it's what makes Atlanta a special place because I have truly felt the the collaboration with Venture Atlanta. It may not be the case with everything, but truly Mm -hmm. with Venture Atlanta, it is the reason why it's been successful. Part of why that was able to happen probably was, yeah, because of you, was because of your approach to it and and the way you chose to build it. The fact that you had more need than you had agenda. Oh, yeah. I, I was clueless. Literally, I will say openly, I was clueless. But the one thing we did from day one, which I'm so glad we did, we never put service providers on our board. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't that one law firm could pay for another law firm to be on our board. And that's still what it is today. Our board is still investors and entrepreneurs only. Smart decision. The other decision we made was there could never be just one law firm or one accounting firm or one bank as a sponsor. So those were two key decisions that were made yep. when I was hired that were pivotal in our success because had they not been, it always would have been, I paid more to get on the board. Yep. It would have been, I'm going to own this conference. And so instead, the DLA Pipers and the Nelson Mullins and the Morris Mannings have supported us for 14 years, but they all know that all three of them are going to be in there and they don't go, how can you keep them out? That's just not going to happen because they know we can't survive like that. What you just described is exactly what I'm talking about and why I appreciate what it is and and what it's become. Because I've always argued that the only way to counter the way our ecosystem works in general here is to go ahead and create something that's something of importance, right? Something of cultural power, of economic power, and then demand that it work that way. You put into sort of statute internally that it will work collaboratively and that nobody can take it over. And if you do that, now you don't try to take it over because you get 
get excluded if you try to take it over. Right. Like now you work with everybody. And there aren't a ton of great examples of that necessarily in Atlanta, but this is definitely one. I think it's part of why it's turned out to be what it's become. So the the other thing I would say is not now, I'm not saying this is true now. I mean, things are very different now than they were five years ago, quite frankly, right. but certainly very different than they were 14 years ago. Historically, because we are often a perception town, things like this, the metrics were attendance and tweets. You could go to a demo day. All of the pitches could be awful. It could be packed to the gills, like people sitting in the aisle and everybody goes to the after party and nobody wrote a check and maybe nobody in the room could have written a check and everybody's thrilled it was such a huge success. That was absolutely a, a possibility in absolutely. the past because that was, look, the metrics were different. That's all the metrics were. How many people could we get there and what kind of energy was there? But those aren't the metrics that what you're doing are trying to go after. But did you experience that at all initially as part of the process been trying to get more and more toward practical impact oh, yeah. over I mean, the last you know, 14 years? Our metrics were always about attendance and we're always about the number of funds but then it wasn't the number of funds. It was the out-of-town funds to make sure mm -hmm. we were so focused on the out-of-town funds. But really, Mark, what we're all about is those writing checks and is those relationships. So you look at what are, what's our mission? Our mission is to connect companies with capital. And interestingly enough, we've actually been underselling ourselves for years. So someone on my board has actually taken all the companies from 2008 to 2021. And we've almost had $6 billion in funding. It's just incredible. You look at the companies even that just presented last year, Flatfile and ClearSense and Voxy and CallRail and Flock Safety and just some amazing numbers. I can't tell you that every single company that's raised money, it's because of Enter Atlanta. Certainly, I'm not going to claim that. But what I can say is that there's probably a relationship or someone that they talked to. You know, we did a whole campaign called Venture Atlanta Connects a couple years ago. The stories you hear about what has happened at Venture Atlanta, Car360 being purchased by Carvana, because of them sitting at Mentor Atlanta talking. Road Sync and meeting Hyde Park partners because they were sitting there talking at Mentor Atlanta. There's story after story. Again, I think we've created this environment for facilitating those connections. And I will give big kudos to our board last year, because if you think about it, a lot of people just went dark last year. In 2020, mm -hmm. people were like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're done. And we went, nope, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to figure out how to put on a first class venture conference because our entrepreneurs need us. And I will tell you, Mark, that I've got page after page of testimonials, including even the investor that interviewed me yesterday saying, hey, if I didn't tell you, it was the best virtual conference of 2020. If you can tie in any way the conference to something like $6 billion worth of funding, if you take a semi-direct responsibility for 10% of that, it makes you the single biggest funding source in the Atlanta market. The money makes those decisions, but the difference is often the vector, not the right. money. And if, well, you're the <laughs> if you're the vector, that's a huge... And the thing is, some of these relationships could be from five years ago. Like I remember talking to Max Stadium, Greg McGraw, and he spoke to some um, entrepreneurs or some alumni companies and said, Summit Partners invested in us, but it was a relationship from Venture Atlanta years ago. So you have to build on those relationships. And that's what a lot of the entrepreneurs, we coach them, we help them, we provide them information. And I just hope we can continue 
to give them opportunities. And I'm not sure if you know, but last year we really spread our wings a lot more. 50% of the companies didn't come from Atlanta. This was started as a Georgia conference and it is now a regional conference. And, mm -hmm. and really the goal of that is to continue to show Atlanta as the epicenter, as the hub of the Southeast and all these other areas being really the spokes around it. We're not changing the name to Venture Southeast. We're not moving <laughs> the conference. Everyone asks us. You gotta go to Miami, move it to Miami. Because honestly, there's our theme this year is momentum. There's so much momentum really in Atlanta. Think about what Google and Microsoft and Airbnb yep. and Facebook and all these people that are building headquarters here. There's a reason for it. There's some good stuff happening here. When you look at the conference 14 years ago and you look at the conference now and that you obviously do just for practical sense, a need to focus on how many people show up and how many sponsors there were, particularly early, right? Particularly that none of that takes care of itself and, and right. when, when you first start it, but that's not your driving goal. That's a sustainability issue, right? That's not your mission. That's just what it takes to make sure the thing survives. Right. But the people get in, companies get in problems when you optimize for the things it takes to survive instead of the mission. And so talk a little bit, if you can, about how over the last 14 years, decisions you've made to optimize for the actual kinds of outcomes that you care about for the, for the mission. How, how has the experience and structure of the conference shifted in 14 years so that you can make it more and more what you really care about accomplishing? Yeah. Going back to the mission of Venture Atlanta is connecting companies with capital. So that has to be the litmus test. And if you look at decisions we've made, especially over the last couple of years, when we're selecting companies, it's, hey guys, I literally say this every year. I'm like, the litmus test, is this a fundable company? We need to attract these funds from out of state and know, is this a fundable company? So for us, having the funds come in from California and from New York and Boston, and a couple of years ago, we had close to 400 funds in attendance. And when you go out California and you ask people, if you're looking at things on the East Coast, where do you look? And people say, Venture Atlanta. We know that they have the best companies. For us though, it's really the package though, Mark. You know, we have to have the sponsors. We have to have the support. We're a 501c6. We are a nonprofit. We have to have the support. We also have to put on a great event. So we have really had a really high bar with the caliber of the speakers. Last year for the virtual conference, we had the co-founder of HubSpot, Darmesh Shah. We had Ariana Huffington. She was unbelievable. We just had some fantastic speakers. So we really hold the bar high on that. But we've also made sure that every conference enables the companies and the investors to connect. So we have had private meeting space. We've made sure we have an app where people can set up one-on-one -on -one meetings. And we made sure that happened last year as well. We could have done a, a Zoom conference. We could have done platforms that cost $5,000, but we didn't because we had to make sure that networking capability where people could sit and meet each other was there. And we need to make sure that we coach the company so that they do the best job. We needed to make sure that we hire the best production company so that the quality is there. So we really look at everything along the way. I'm not going to tell you that Venture Atlanta is a cheap conference. It's not. I and mean, we obviously spend money to put it on, but we put on a quality event. The last couple of years, we did an investor dinner upon City Market. And what we've realized the most, Mark, is that the investors come to see companies, but they come to network with each other. So we have to make sure that we're facilitating those connections in a great way. For three years, we've had our we've had a big dinner on the rooftop of Pond City Market. You come to Atlanta, you've got a great night. There's nothing better than sitting and looking <laughs> at those views. And the biggest thing I got from investors this year at the virtual conference was 
God, I miss that. I miss that. I can't, I want that. Our plan is to have a hybrid conference this year, have some in-person, have some virtual, but telling people, hey, that's going to be back. People are so excited about that, you know, because they look forward to that. People are spending money on a ticket. They're flying here. They're putting hotels. They're paying for Ubers. We've got to put on a good show because their time is valuable. And especially now, who knows how many people are going to fly, but we did survey our investors a couple months ago and 70% plus said, hey, you do a in-person conference. Yeah. I mean, not that you should care, but what I appreciate and would want you to never lose is there's a version of this conference that's really entertainment that, that, that could be great. It could, there could be great speakers and there could be pitches that are entertaining and a varying fundable quality, but are good. They're the best presenters where there's also good food and fun and good production values and all of that. And no matter how great that is, no matter how profitable that is, no matter how many people are involved in that, it could not really have all that much of an impact. I've been to conferences where it's basically... Other than the fact you're going to see these people talk live, like what you get out of this, knock yourself out. It's completely up to you, basically. And that hasn't been your stance. You've tried to force practical outcomes through structure in ways that you didn't have to in order to be successful, quote unquote, or profitable. And keeping that is the most important thing in my mind. I think... That's the reason why, you know, just like you said, everyone knows they can tune in at home and watch the whole conference, but they want to be with each other and they want to be in the room together. We had cocktail parties where people were just having a ball. And in 2019, I remember walking into the room and I was like, oh my God, it is so crowded in here. We've got to work on something in 2020. It's too loud in here. It's too crowded. To, to fix that, we had taken more space. We had literally had a plan. I remember in March of 2020, we had, that was the last in-person board meeting, Venture Atlanta's We've been doing Zoom, obviously, since then. And I remember my agenda said coronavirus. And it was, do we have to think about this? Like, is this something we're going to have to deal with? And obviously we did, and so did everyone else. All right, so do you want to talk a little bit about this last year? For us, like I said, there was no canceling. So we never considered it. We never, we and we also didn't consider just doing a Zoom. We literally got a platform, got a production company, had a stage, had a whole setup. And it was pretty awesome. The production quality was fantastic. But then we went, all right, we can have pre-recorded pitches. We can have pre-recorded speakers. But I will tell you, Mark, for me personally, it was the hardest year. I've planned events for years. I've got a strong background. I know what I'm doing. I had no idea what I was doing. When the board went, you got to put together a new budget, a new sponsorship offering. So I have to do sponsorship offerings and I don't even know what I'm selling. That's literally what I was doing. Like the joke is that I was inventing sponsorships and rolling a ball going, that may work. And some of them worked, some of them didn't. And welcome back to entrepreneurship. Yeah. And thank God my my sponsors were supportive of us. And even after the the conference, we literally haven't even started selling sponsorships. We're starting right now because we went back and interviewed all our sponsors and we're like, all right, tell us what you thought. And they were like, you know what? Under the circumstances, it was great. It was different. We'll be back next year. We'll support you again. Maybe that didn't work or maybe this didn't work. But the biggest thing that everyone didn't get enough of was networking. So right away I go into the, okay, I got to fix that. I got to facilitate breakout rooms. I got to have speed dating. I got to look at this. So that's all things we're looking at. We put on a great show. We put on a great conference. And now what do we do? And so obviously we've been watching the numbers. We've been watching the vaccine rates. And our conference is the end of October. And we feel like seven months, the world's going to probably look a little different. There's still going to be people that I have no desire to go back to a conference with a bunch of people. But so we're going to have that same phenomenal virtual conference. 
But then we're going to add back in what makes Venture Atlanta great. The in-person components, the networking. And what I'm excited about is I'm not envisioning a 1,200-person conference. I think it could be really some of the best networking ever. And that a sponsor is going to be guaranteed access to the conference. If you're not a sponsor as a service provider, you're probably not getting in. Mm -hmm. Because I want that room full of investors and entrepreneurs and my sponsors who are supporting us. But other people who aren't, they could buy a ticket and they could be virtual. And the virtual ticket will obviously be cheaper. The one thing I think, Mark, that hurt a little bit last year, but the beginning of the pandemic, everyone gave away free tickets. So everything was free. And everyone was like, all right, let's see what I can see. (laughs) I can see. By the time of mine, first of all, I couldn't give away my tickets because I had costs to pay for. And people were like, you're trying to charge me $100? Are you kidding me? And I had VCs that wouldn't pay $200. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, you've had no expenses this year and you're not going to make $200. And honestly, burnout. People were were tired of virtual stuff. And right now, I think people are really tired of virtual stuff. We have to keep it fresh, but we will offer the virtual. But I think it'll be interesting to see the demand. And I think the demand will be for the in-person. Do a quick little nuts and bolts through the different categories of folks who would want to be tied. It's possible somebody doesn't necessarily know all that much about how to get engaged, whether you're a startup or you're a funding source, maybe a new funding source or or sponsors. Who needs to be a part of Venture Atlanta is anyone who supports an entrepreneur, anyone who, who helps companies grow. So that's not all investors. Obviously, we want the lawyers and the bankers and the accountants and the real estate people and the search firms, anyone who's going to help entrepreneurs grow. We have to raise sponsorship dollars. So we are actively, openly looking for sponsors now. In the past, we've had up to 100 sponsors and everything's open and we are selling actively right now. Any investor, anyone who's writing checks at any level, and I think that's really important, Mark, for people to understand is that we are not just interested in the growth equity investment we're interested in every level down to the angel investors writing that first $50,000 checks. We do have companies that are pre-seed. We have early stage venture. We have growth stage. So companies that are raising their first anything, maybe they've just done family and friends rounds and they're really ready for that first outside of investment mm-hmm. and companies that are looking for 30 million. So it's really across the gamut. And then we want entrepreneurs. So we have open call for companies will come out the middle of May and we're looking for tech companies. We are looking for tech companies in all stages and really very widely defined. Yes, your fintech, your cyber, your marketing automation, but also consumer goods and enterprise and logistics and everything like that. We definitely attract a whole range. And the important thing for entrepreneurs is that it is completely free. So you apply online. It's a pretty quick, well, it's not a quick application, but it's an application that you fill out. You put on three sentences about yourself, some revenue numbers, and then you hit submit. And if you are selected, you're going to get marketing support. You're going to get PR. You're going to get coaching. You're going to get the opportunity to be in person in Atlanta and meet with these investors. You're going to get to go to the investor dinner. You're, you're just going to get some great opportunities. But what's exciting now is that we have close to 600 alumni companies. So we continue to support our alumni companies. We have an alumni dinner that they get invited to and they could come back and meet with the investors. Mm. We do alumni sponsorships. Our alumni have actually written checks to Venture Atlanta to support us because they know mm. the Springbots of the world and the sales lofts and Cabbage and some great companies like that. We help them and they've now given that back to us. But our sponsors range from those alumni to 
$50,000 sponsors. What is Venture Atlanta optimized for next? What needs to change still? What's not quite good enough? What do you, where do you want to push in the next few years? So uh, what's not quite good enough is definitely the makeup of our founders. We have set a strong goal this year to have 50% of our founders be underrepresented founders. I want to see more females applying. I want the companies to be 50% women. Women are doing great things. And I think they think that their application and the time has to be so perfect. You know what? There are some fantastic companies out there. We're going to be doing some diversity workshops um, in cities all over the Southeast to really help people, underrepresented founders to get their applications together. And we always could attract more funding sources. Yeah, we have three or 400 funds there. There could be a hell of a lot more than that participate in Venture Atlanta. And we want more and more companies to apply. Last year, we had a record number of companies apply. To me, this is a free, amazing opportunity. So you have done something successful, done something well for a long time now, for 14 years and high profile with an audience that's relatively well-resourced traditionally. And you have to have opportunities. You have to get asked to go work for some of those people, to start other conferences for them, to become their communication and marketing people, to probably sometimes some things that could be huge and a big deal and a big deal for you personally. Why are you still doing this? Why are you continuing to to run this as hard as I know as it is to do? I will say if you would have asked me 14 years ago, if I was going to do this, I would have literally probably said three years. I would have said three to five years tops. 2019 was our biggest conference ever. We really flipped things on its head and just really worked so hard. 2020, all of a sudden we had to go virtual. Now 2021, we're trying to figure out a hybrid model. So ironically, all of those things have kept me on my toes and us expanding into a larger regional conference. Now really adding the diversity on top of that. So I think it's, it's always new challenges. Right now, my challenge is how to put on this hybrid conference. And I can guarantee you it's not going to be perfect. So then (laughs) next year, I'm going to be going, how can I make that better? Honestly, Mark, when it stops being interesting and exciting and it stops being fun, I will definitely be ready to do something else. But I will tell you that the chamber and CEO council have told me I can never leave. Not sure about that. But interestingly, over the years, the biggest thing I have been asked is to come work in another city and build their venture land. Over and over again. And part of me has been like, God, I could have really cashed in on this. And if I was an independent and literally built these conferences around the country, because I know the formula and I know how to do it. And I've been asked from many cities to do that. But so far, honestly, for me, it's been obviously this year, everyone's working from home. But for me, I was able to spend time at home with my kids. I have a lot of flexibility. I enjoy what I do. And as long as I enjoy what I do, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy. For me, I'm not looking to start a company. I would probably go work for someone. I've realized that I never thought I had a sales bone in my body. (laughs) I think I've gotten really good at at the relationship building side of things. And that's what I would want to continue to do. I think certainly part of the reason why Venture Atlanta has grown is because of the relationships I've built. There's no doubt about that. But Venture Atlanta also has a strong brand and it's not all me. You know, we've got an amazing board. We've got great founders. So it it will continue on its own. So the interesting question is when you hire that replacement, would you hire you? Has it developed to the point where now you hire what would have been your thought about what Nora Mosley would want, which wasn't you? Although I would argue the success of it has been inextricably intertwined with you and who you are just in your approach. That's super important. So would you actually hire somebody who's that kind of 
dynamic, but doesn't have the experience and doesn't know what they're doing and has whatever that little bit of magic, oh, humility, magic, I, humility, passion thing. I don't think I would. I, I think I would hire someone who knows what they're doing. I think I would hire someone <laughs> who is involved in the ecosystem, who has some of those relationships and who definitely has marketing experience. I, I, a hundred percent don't think you need someone with venture capital or technology experience. I right. absolutely don't think that. I think you could put someone in this role who, who does have a strong marketing brain, but I think the relationships, Mark, are key. Alan Mosley does joke, my claim to fame is I hired you. <laughs> you know, so we, <laughs> we always laugh every year at, at Venture Atlanta. And like I said, he's always been so supportive of me and I'll always be grateful. Any final things you want to have said or I mean, you need to cover about thing- the conference? Biggest thing is October 20th and 21st, 2021. So it's definitely 10, 20 and all that. And in Atlanta, VentureAtlanta.org. And our sponsorships are open. Registration will be open in June to attend. And registration for uh, companies to apply will be open in May. So I think that's the biggest thing. And again, entrepreneurs out there, if you're remotely raising money, even if you're not even thinking right now that if you're gonna be raising, but you think sometime down the road you're gonna be raising, put your name in the hat. You really have nothing to lose. It's completely free.